Hi, well, my name is Richard Petty, the former president and CEO of Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. And since my retirement five years ago, I've completely pivoted to focus on charitable things, um, thinking of myself as a city builder. As I like to say to my wife, I spent 41 years making money and now I'm spending the rest of my life giving it away. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Again, thank you for coming in a second time. <laughs> My pleasure. I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I wanted to ask, I know this is not part of, of the reason. I know sometime late last year, um, I saw you were tweeting more about, um, and maybe it was just something that I recognize. Maybe you've been doing it for a long time, but I, I recognize that you were tweeting a lot about city building mm -hmm. and sort of where your thoughts and belief on, on where, you know, what leadership needs to do to really build a city. Um, that that is, that is livable uh, for, for all people. Um, but before we get there, I'd love your thoughts. Um, a an associate of yours, uh, I, I, maybe a, a, a friend, um, the former uh, CAW boss uh, Bob White, recently passed away. Um, I know he was on the board of the Skydome. Skydome. Uh, he was on my board uh, for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on, on, on his life and impact on organized labor in Canada and, and things that you may have known about him? Well, I don't really know the history of the CAW. It, was the, uh, it wasn't Canadian at the start. I mean, as I understood it, he, he really stepped forward and, and made it a Canadian uh, entity mm -hmm. and uh, gave the Canadian unions more clout. Uh, I knew him as a director of, of Skydome. Mm-hmm. Now, it was strange how we met, or kind of awkward, kind of tension-filled, when David Peterson was the Premier of Ontario, and Skydome actually reported in to um, the government of the day. So uh, David Peterson was kind of my boss in, in a fashion. And when he was surprisingly uh, defeated in the election, uh, Bob Ray decided that he would put more left-leaning directors on the board. So he put Bruce Kidd. Who oh, okay. is a dear friend to this day, Bob White, Cliff Pilkey, um, and they came in a little suspicious. I mean, here was this, you know, group of capitalists running Skydome, and Skydome was admittedly way over budget. That's something I inherited; I didn't cause. And uh, so he was skeptical. We really had to earn our stripes from him, and he challenged us at the start. But by the end of it, we had a really good relationship. You know, I, I find if you're really honest and you work hard, you can win anyone over. I ran into Bob the last time about two years ago. Uh, we were doing a fundraiser for the University of Windsor, and he was there, and I went over to see him. And, and I knew I knew he was early stages of Alzheimer's. Hmm. I believe that's what it was. And uh, I talked to him, and I talked to his wife, and his wife said, you know, Bob always really enjoyed the time with you guys. Oh, nice. And so... Uh, that was really special to me. Someone where a real tough guy. Uh, I saw him uh, intimidate CEOs of big companies. Wow! And to earn his respect was real special. Yeah, sad nice. to see him pass on at eighty-one. Mm -hmm. um, big impact that he left. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. Um, the Toronto Star, uh, I think, has just finished a series. Um, I don't know if it, you'd call it a series, but I, I know there's three large articles recently about the Ontario Municipal Board. Um, 
for, for those who don't understand, and, and I remember, you know, rent, renting an apartment um, north of, of, of the city in, uh, in Markham, and rent was going up higher than, I think, um, the rate of inflation or something, and they were doing some capital improvements. Um, and so as a tenant, you know, I, I went to an, an OMB meeting uh, to sort of give my case. Are you sure it was OMB? Maybe I, don't, I don't think that they do rent. Or rent, rent tribunal yeah, board I, or something. Yeah, that'd, that'd, you're that'd right, you're right, you're right. So the star was doing OMB. Star was doing OMB. And from little that I know and, and the little that I read, it sounds like there's two things happening. One, the OMB is, is able to make these decisions um, on sort of, it sounds like what gets built and what doesn't get built, particularly around condos, I, I think was with the focus. Uh, and on the second side, it seemed that, that it's actually a problem or the star was proposing that it's a problem because a lot of the decisions that have been made sort of go against sort of Toronto's official plan for for the city and and, and particularly in certain areas. And I know one of the examples they were given, um, you know, was the the huge development that's been happening around Young and Eglinton uh, over the past probably better part of a decade, if not longer. Um, you know, for those who don't know, and again, you know, um, I don't know if, if what the OMD is sort of in your wheelhouse. Of, of of things, but you know it goes to, you know, city planning and and, and the type of city that we want to build and create. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm by no means um, an OMB expert. It's being re- reviewed by the provincial government. I believe that it has to be modified. Um, I think there's, and again, I'm not an expert, so. Boy, for your listeners to say, oh, Penny doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm still going to risk that. So I think there's kind of two issues. I believe that anything that is within the city plan mm-hmm. that goes before the MB. So developers develop something, but it's within the city plan. It's what's allowed. Only about 4% of those cases go to the OMB. Mm-hmm. And they win like half the time, 2%. So that part is not an issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is that the, and, and I think there's a couple hundred outstanding right now, the the developers challenge the city plan. Mm. And and I can tell you that, you know, first of all, I'll declare my bias, I, I think we're really fortunate to have Jennifer Keysmat and an understaffed, badly understaffed mm-hmm. planning group. Uh, compared to cities that don't have half the development we have, um, they go in there and it's kind of like one city planner up against about twelve, you know, high-priced lawyers yeah. and developers. It's yeah. it's kind of a stacked deck. So I think that's the problem. And again, I might be a little off base. I think yeah. I'm in the I think I'm in the general direction. So, you know, I think there's a whole issue right now. It's more than the OMB. It's uh, the City of Toronto Act that was done in 2006. Um, you know, we don't, cities right across the world now are getting to be the economic engines. 50% of the world lives in cities. 80% of Canada lives in Mm -hmm. cities. Mm -hmm. You know, Toronto grows so much every year and it generates so much of the economic output, um, generates the taxes and we don't have a lot of control over what happens in the city, uh, our, our politicians, our, our city hall does not have the power that it that needs. The 2006 Act gave us some things, but it gave us the power for something like tolls. 
well, you just saw the premier overrule tools. Yeah. Uh, I think. Was that a political decision in your opinion? <laughs> of course it was. The election's <laughs> like 15 months away. Um, so I think there's this whole issue as cities get more powerful, um, more, more important, they need more power. And that is, you know, again, I'm not the expert on it, but from what I can tell, that's something politicians have to push for. Yeah. Um, I've I've had the 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 opportunity, the good fortune of not traveling the world uh, as many people have, but but traveling to, to to places, and you know I'm always happy to come home. But whenever I travel to different places, I take a look, and usually I see the greatness uh, uh, of these places that I visit, and I and I ask myself, why can't this be done in Toronto? And I have two examples. The first is a few years ago, I had the chance to go to uh, Bogota, Colombia. I'm going this year. Are you? Yep. Fantastic. Great city. Um, and I was there for almost a week, uh, stayed in the city. And one of the things that uh, Minaz, my wife, who works for Park People, said is that you must check out, um, and I can't remember what it was called, but she says they close the streets down. 100 times a year. And they have a name for it. And it's, they originated yeah. open streets. And, yeah. And hundreds, they do it 100 times a year now. And it's been, they started off with a couple of kilometers and now they're a couple hundred kilometers and, and it's outstanding. They, they do that and it brings everyone out. So what does it do? It gets people out. So mm-hmm. Instead of sitting at home watching television or playing on their, on their iPads, they're out walking on the streets. And so it's healthy, it's fresh air, uh, you know, emissions from cars drop like 50% because no one's driving cars or yeah. not they're driving cars as much. And it causes people, because it's so many streets are now closed, it causes different economic groups to mingle with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Bogota. And, and it's more than that. Bogota has an outstanding uh, bus, uh, bus system, uh, parks, which your wife would know about. Yes, it's yes. great on parks. Um, Gil Penalosa is, lives in Toronto, and he was the, the, I don't know, the minister or the chief of parks down uh-huh. there. His brother... Uh, and I can't remember, I think it's Enrique or something like that, is mayor of Bogota now. Oh. So in talking to Gil, they do parks well, they do open streets, they do uh, the bus lanes. They are really a best practice. I think t- two or three years ago it was chosen as kind of the, I'm not going to say best city, but it won kind of the City of the Year Award. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's a really good example. If you've been there, I want to get down there, I'm hoping that... Uh, Gil and I might put together a group that uh, we'll take down to Bogota maybe nice. in the fall. It's uh, it's something that boggled my mind, and I go, here's a city, and it doesn't seem that much, but, I mean, I went for a tech conference there, um, and there's entrepreneurs that, that, are, that are building stuff. Um, you know, if, if, you, if your only uh, exposure to Colombia is the media and television and uh, pop culture, you know, you think one thing. But, you know, when, when I went down there, I go, here's a city that is growing, that is vibrant. And remember, it was drug-infested. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. One other thing it's done, I believe, at, at a certain point in time, they went from zero bike lanes mm-hmm. to 270 kilometers of bike lanes in two years. It's So phenomenal. we're dinking around here. Last time I was in, we were talking about the Blur Street That's right. bike lane. That's I right. biked it. It's awesome. It needs some fine-tuning. If you talk to the experts in Cycle Toronto and stuff, it needs some fine-tuning. But it is killer, and they need to expand it both east, west, and they're they're going to cost. It's going to cost them three hundred thousand dollars to test it. It's being repeated. The mayor of London has just committed a billion and a half to bike lanes. Mm-hmm. Copenhagen, Paris. The mayor of Paris, she's shutting down roads 
And for walkability and bike lanes, it's happening all mm -hmm. over the world, and we're dinking around by testing it and yeah. costing us three hundred thousand dollars. Put it in, and put more in. There should be a whole um, uh, cycling grid for the entire city. And I totally and that agree. would be like open streets. Once again, yeah. you're getting people off off out of cars. It's healthy. It's stressful. And what did I read today? Fifty percent of the people who drive in London are can the trips are no more than 10 minutes in bike so mm -hmm. you get to, and I mentioned it's not always the same here because we have a lot of people coming in from the suburbs but a lot of travel could be car travel could be replaced by bikes uh, listen I live 10 kilometers from the office and when I when I first got that job just over a year ago I said this is perfect I'll be able to bike but even even the York Mills from from where I am uh, on pharmacy to get to Young, um, I would not, I would not dare drive. It's on. terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, the and suburbs. That's what people say. If you look at their research, people don't bicycle because it's scary. Like, so I'll go downtown. I'm kind of at Avenue Road and Bloor. I don't go down, and that's University. I don't go down University. I don't go down Bay. I don't go Young. Mm -hmm. I go all the way to St. George yeah. to be able to go south because they yeah. got a bike lane. Because they have the bike lane. Yeah, and uh, so. You know, build it and they will come. Oh, and absolutely. you build a grid. And I had a friend once who said, well, no one's using the Shelburne one. Well, you know, they are now. But the trouble is, it's kind of, it goes and then it stops. And what you need is this contiguous whole grid that connects. You can't have dead ends where you, you do, you have a bike lane and all of a sudden it's, the bike lane stops. And now you're into a scary situation like you were explaining. So it's got to be continuous. Yeah. We put that in, it'll be killer for the city. And again... It's an international best practice. We're not taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, I think you know one of the arguments I hear, uh, and maybe you hear other arguments, um, but the argument I hear is, you know, this, this quote unquote war on cars that we're going to drive. What's wrong with war? We're going to drive biz. Well, here's here's okay, the thing, what's right? What's wrong with war on cars? The, the, get, get 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 people out of cars. You know, it's very interesting. People say, give us more roads, give us wider roads. Every time Atlanta did this, they they did a whole thing, a big circle around the city was gonna, it was going to take more, car, uh, you know, cars were gonna move faster, and it's been proven time and time again. You make more roads, you get more cars. Of course, you make less roads, you get less cars. They find people find other ways of doing it. Now you have to do things like, okay, if you're going to uh, put tolls or you're gonna um, put more bike lanes in, I think you should put buses in too, because. The transit that we're looking at is years away, so we got to find short-term things. But, you know, and probably get me in a lot of trouble by saying war on cars, but cars are not doing us any favors. From the, the pollution side of it to the unhealthy side, they're, they're not the way of the 21st century. But peak cars now, you know, they talk the, the, the peak of use of cars mm -hmm. happened a couple of years ago. It's now going downhill, and Toronto has to realize that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the thoughts was that you know, if, if you, you build all of these, you know, bike lanes and so on and so forth, you make the city more walkable, you close things down, you drive businesses out, you drive... No, no, it's been proven. Yes. It's been proven. The, so when they close the streets, and they're doing it in tons of cities now, mm -hmm. business increases like 50%. Yeah. Um, when you put bike lanes in, business goes up. Because, you know, you look at the... There was never a lot of parking on Blur Street. 
and they've got yeah. some stuff. I take them all out because yeah. actually the number of parking spots contributes nothing to their business. Mm-hmm. And it's proven let it be walkable and bikeable. It'll it'll be good for the business. No, I I I totally those, those have been proven. Agreed. New York has proven it. Look what New York's doing. Con, Absolutely. who is their she's the young woman. I think she works for Bloomberg now. Uh, I've That's got her right. book at home. Yep. In fact, what is her book? Street Fight by Janet Sadiq Khan. Yeah. And um, and she proves that, you know, it's, they went in and put more parks into New York. Mm-hmm. They put bike lanes. They closed streets that people thought were crazy. Yeah. And you know what happens? Or, or, or put bike lanes on them? Business goes up. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I always use New York as the example. I said, here's a city. I mean, I went there in September and I, it, it shocked me again how many bike they got bike lanes all over the place in one of the biggest, most congested cities in the world. If they can do it there, you know what it takes. And I keep coming back to that. And and Paul Bedford is a, an ex city planner. He had the job, I don't know if it was just before Jennifer or before Jennifer, anyhow. Uh, excellent city planner, and he writes uh, one of. Uh, big projects of Toronto Foundation, which I'm vice chair of, mm-hmm. puts out vital signs every year, and Paul's contributed to it a number of years in a row. His article this year started off, what Toronto needs is revenue, mm-hmm. courage, and political will. Oh, man. And to do bike lanes and open streets, yeah, it's going to take some money, but the actual cost of putting bike lanes is, is like pennies compared to putting other solutions for cars. Sure. So we need revenue. We need courage, and the courage and political will has to come from the city. And, um, you know, I haven't seen as much courage and political will as I think we need. And so l- let me ask you this. Uh, my, my second example is Taipei, and I'll get to that. Which one? Taipei. Now, I, have not, I know nothing about Taipei. So I went there. So we'll, we'll talk about this. I want to come to courage and political will. So Taipei, I went, again, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, was there for a week, again, for another conference. Um, and it's funny, I, I, they may have been on my flight or just after, but Mamalidi and Kelly um, were, were both there as well. We could talk about them afterwards, <laughs> but um, their, their city, so Bogota, but we'll backtrack, Bogota, 6.7 million people. If they can do it in that city, we can do it here. In a matter of a couple of years. Taipei, same population as Toronto, 2.7 million people in Taipei. Um, congested. But you know what? It's, it's like Toronto. When I was there, I was like, yeah, this is Toronto. Their subway system puts us to shame. Um, the cost is affordable. Um, and and I, I asked, I asked um, one of my, my tour guides, I said, how do they manage to build this? And one of the answers I got back was they made the decision and you cannot undo that this is you make the decision, they start building it, and even if that mayor or that or that um, politician in the next election well, cycle, we saw that you know Mayor Miller had Transit mm-hmm. City. Yes, and if you look at Transit City, um, now a lot of it was LRT, which is fine. Pe- pe- oh, it's more than fine. It's state of the art now. Um, unfortunately, the late Mayor Ford came in and he said, you know, subway, subways, and canceled basically canceled Transit City. That was six years ago. The LRT to Scarborough would be operating right now with seven stops. And where are we now? We're, we're at $3.6 billion and climbing for a one-stop subway to Scarborough. And they're taking so, away all the LRT, Scarborough LRT stops for one subway. One subway. It does so, not make sense. So the only thing I would say is I do not believe that subways are the answer. You're going to have to put it in some places. Sure. The relief line will need to be underground. Uh, and that could be another story right there. The relief line is going to need to be underground. 
I guess. Wherever they put it going north-south, is it on... Or diagonal? Is there like a CN yeah, line we could I'm, use? Yeah, I'm not the expert on it. But, you know, LRT is the way to go, and it's cheaper, and, and, and it's not just... You know, I see the the big new streetcars are working on King Street now. Mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. I looked at it. Mm-hmm. All the people are looking pretty good on it, and even even though King Street's another story... Um, the LRTs are, are a different beast. They're, they're designed. They, they, unlike the streetcar, which has to fight with cars, the LRTs yes. have their own lane. Yeah. And cars can't come on it. So they're, they're the way to go. I remember driving on Highway 7 years ago, and it was a mess. It was always bumper to bumper no matter what time. Um, now that they've got these dedicated lanes for buses, mind you, it doesn't matter, though. No, that's okay. That's what Bogota In the middle. does. I mean, really yes. dedicated. Yes, oh, that's right. I remember that. Now that you mention it. Big red it, buses. I and, remember that. And, you know, I've talked to Gil Penalosa. Remember that name because that, that guy has, knows all the best international best practices. He should be running probably our parks here. Um, um, you know, he says that you could put in the bus lanes like that. Yeah. So you talked about courage and political will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, this goes back to the, the example of Taipei. And it goes back to, you know, I was thinking, the way that they go, we just said the, the budget process in Toronto. Um, and they go through this process, in my opinion, go, it's, you've run businesses and you, you are now heavily involved with the Toronto Foundation and 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 you're you're becoming more involved in in you know issues around city building. Here's my opinion. The argument that that cities, um, and we can make that argument about governments in general, should be run like businesses in terms of there needs to be this. You can't spend more than you bring in. I agree, but I th- I think in my opinion, people are doing it backwards. They're saying, how much money do we have? Let's only spend that much. My opinion is, what do you need to make this city? Number one, livable. Number two, great. How much is that going to cost? Now let's figure out a way to raise those revenues. Uh, you what and are I thoughts? are on a very similar thing. Um, so I was telling someone the story of that on the weekend. I said, so when I was running Green Giant or Pillsbury, we'd figure out what what I needed the way to invest in new products on Green Giant and and, and how much we're going to market it and how much of us going to spend with Loblaws and stuff. And then we'd figure out, okay, what does our revenue have to be? Mm-hmm. So I figured out what I wanted to spend on, and then we start talking revenue. So I agree with you. It's kind of does it the opposite way. Yeah. So, like we, so what happened last Thursday night was the, one of the first things they voted on was a 2% property tax, mm-hmm. which is way too little, and it's been way too little for a decade. And um, a 2% property tax. So then that's now a hard, hard line. So what are you doing? The rest of the evening was spent on cutting, cutting. 10 frontline people for shelters and, and closing pools and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And, and you know what? It made City Hall look pretty petty that they're getting into these issues of, you know, a person here and a person there. You know, if the taxes had gone up 1% more, I think it would have thrown off about 20 25 to 29 million dollars more. You could have kept some pools open. You could have put more daycare uh, mm-hmm. positions in. You could have uh, not cut back the shelters. You could invest in the shelters. There were so many things you could get done for for the 29 million dollars. And that's why you know I asked you to put in the questionnaire. Yeah. You know, would people support? Yeah. You know, higher taxes 
you know, what would what would another one percent be? It'd be like fifty five dollars per household on average. Yeah, it'd be my house is more expensive. I'd pay more than that. Others would sure. pay less, but on average, it was fifty five dollars. The research that I've seen, people would do that. Yeah, and and you know, even if it's unpopular, there goes the courage, the courage. of political will. I know it's not popular to increase taxes today. But if you want a livable city that doesn't leave a whole bunch of the population behind, and I don't just mean the bottom 20%, the really poor people. Now you're having, when, when you increase uh, the subway, TTC fees, over inflation year after year, when you're when 18,000 people on the wait list for daycare centers, you're leaving more than the poor people behind. I mean, what is that? Is that 40%? Is it 50%? You know, it's not making the city livable. So yeah. I think it's a completely wrong approach. We need more revenue. Yeah, I I, I think it's I, I think it's lazy to 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 have you know the city's biggest revenue generator, property taxes. You know, limit that, but then go on the backs of people that actually use services, you know, like the pools and, and the daycares, and have to pay more and more and more user fees. Um, right. And and then when it comes to putting up tolls, um, it's it's like a huge huge debate. Well, you know, you, you well, never here's, do. Here's an example. Yeah. So they're debating a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollar items, and all of a sudden the Scarborough subway goes up two hundred grand, or the Hybrid Gardener two hundred million. Mm-hmm. The har- Hybrid gar- Gardener Gardener goes up another two hundred million, and it's really not debated at all. No. Like, so anyhow, it's frustrating. The other thing that I found that so I did. So I was president of six companies. So I did probably 28 big budgets. Not you know, The city budget's $13 billion. Yeah. I didn't do a budget that big. But, hey, it's just a couple of zeros different. My budget was, you know, $130 million or, mm-hmm. you know, $600 million. I don't remember what they were. Um, I never approached it saying everyone should cut 2.6%. Never took that approach. I'd say, okay, ma- tell me what you recommend, and I'm going to challenge it. I, you know, I'm going to say to one, you know, they want 10% more because they've got a great idea. They get the 10%. But if someone else wants 3% and they can't justify the 3%, they don't mm. even get 3%. Mm-hmm. It was, it's all based on what you, what is important in the city, mm-hmm. what is the strategy, and how well it's explained and executed. And then you'll, you'll give out the money. I'd never do a straight line 2.6%. Now, I know that it didn't end up that way. It was hit and miss. But... To tell everyone to cut at 2.6, it's not the way you do budgets. Yeah. So when we say courage and political will, um, you know, one of the things is that, you know, every four years there's an election. And I can understand if I was put in that position, you know, and and again, there's there's tons of these um, career politicians like Kerry Giannis, like Mamaliti. Um, who th- you know this is their livelihood, and I can I can understand from a selfish perspective, they want to get reelected and reelected and reelected, and sure you know there's these and they want to get reelected by this finite group of people that live in their neighborhood, um, and I can understand that you know what happens on the other side, you know so for Karajianis he'll take care of his you know n- n- Scarborough Agent Court area. And, and not care what goes on in Etobicoke. Have you looked at, and I don't know the answer to this, Yeah, I, I'd love to look at the job description of a city council. Hmm. Does it really say... I wonder if there is one. Does it really <laughs> say that my 
my responsibility is entirely to the people in my ward, mm. or do I have to wear a bigger hat and say what's right for the city? Um, and listen, you know, if that's the only job you've known for 20 years, and I'm not saying they don't work hard because some of them really work hard. Sure. I follow a lot of them on Twitter. I know where they are at night. Yeah. Guys like uh, Joe Cressy and, and uh, probably um, um, Joe Cressy. Yeah, Joe Cressy. Uh, Joe Mahevic, mm-hmm. Josh Matlow. They're out like four or five nights a week. Mm-hmm. So they're working their butt off. Um, but, you know, it's, for some, it's it's a pretty sweet gig. And, and uh, they've almost got guaranteed job. Mm-hmm. And who has a guaranteed job today? Yeah. I mean, in, in city politics, it's not often that an incumbent gets kicked out in no. an election. Brand name means so much. Yeah. And for four years, they're out cutting ribbons and doing, you know, mailing out to their constituents pamphlets. Yep. And they get reelected. And uh, that's not the world today. Um, there's no jobs that are secure in the world today. Maybe, maybe city plant, maybe uh, city councilors. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So where, you know, where does that that courage? You know, I, you know, I would think that John Tory, who who is on record saying that the max he will do is two terms. You know, I would think, okay, here's somebody who doesn't, you know, who's got, you know, pardon my language, no shits to give. Right, it's, it's like no, what? he's he's got no shits to give. It's not like he's he doesn't he doesn't need to. In my opinion, he doesn't need to pander to anybody, mm-hmm. right? He's he's not going to do this for fifteen twenty years. Yeah. But he, he wants to get reelected a second time. Yeah, but wouldn't it be in like where's I am shocked that someone like him, you know, who's who's you know done a lot of great things in the city, um, you know. Is not showing that courage in political saying, you know what? Yeah, I know that we're used to these two percent increases, but in order for us to have a world class city that we believe we are and we say we are, and sometimes the UN or these other bodies say we're, you know, we're, we're great, we actually need to put our our, our our wallets where our mouth is sometimes. And and I'm shocked and I'm disappointed that there's nobody that rises up and says, you know what, we're going to do this. And yeah, it might hurt you. But it's for the be- it's for the best. You'll have to get John on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. Do you do you have any examples of um, of politicians out there that show courage in political will? Well, I think uh, the mayor Con in, in London. London's doing it. I think the mayor in Paris is doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that. Bloomberg did it. Mm. I believe that is it Del De, ba- De Blasio. De Blasio in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're out there. Yeah. Uh, there is, I think it's C40. It's it's a city top forty mayors right oh, now. Yes, in yes, the yes, US. yes, yes. So they're really standing up on climate change. Mm-hmm. Really standing up and sanctuary cities. They are really stepping up and and basically they're saying to to Trump, keep your hands <laughs> off our city. So. There's, there's, uh, and, and listen, I've got a lot of time. There's, of the 44 counselors, some really good people there. And, um, yeah, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the city with revenue, courage, and political will. If we get that. Tell me, tell me some, some of these counselors that are there to doing some, some good work. Well, that you see. Joe Mahevic, uh, uh, Joe Cressy, Mike Layton, um, uh, 
Christian Wong Tam. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of, of really good people. Glenda Bearmaker. I've just, um, you know, I've, I've, in addition to Toronto Wildlife, I've been helping, you know, probably in addition to Toronto Foundation, I've been helping Toronto Wildlife. And we I've got, seen you tweet about yeah. it. What is, what is that all about? Toronto Wildlife is the largest uh, wild animal rescue and rehabilitation in Canada. It has a hotline that gets over 30,000 calls a year. So if you if you got some concern about a wild animal in your backyard, you can phone them. Oh, okay. And they also go out and rescue and rehabilitate over 5,000 wild animals a year. And they've, they've started in about 1992, and they've never got $1 from the city. And hmm. so if you read about that raccoon on the, on the roof of the Toronto Star Building. Yes, yeah. It was Toronto Wildlife who saved it and rehabilitated it and released it. The 150 ducks that were oiled in the stream, mm-hmm. um, Toronto Wildlife. Uh, so they do really good work, and um, Glenda Bearmaker has really been a real champion of that. So there are good people there. Let's go to the flip side of that. <laughs> who are some... Oh, I'll, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> Okay, so I, I have I have a problem with you know what they sh- yeah. should do. Everyone yeah. should figure that out for themselves. Fair you know, enough. I I have a line that says, if you, first of all, educate yourself on what's going on, mm-hmm. and if you don't like what your counselor's doing, go talk to them. Yeah. If they don't, and and hopefully you'll you'll understand better or you'll change their mind because you can change their mind. Mm-hmm. If you know, I used to joke that. You know, they don't read the, the messages, they weigh them. So, like, you can get 10 messages into a counselor. That, that could change how they vote. Yeah. As little as 10. Uh, if you can get 20, 100, boy, mm-hmm. you, you're a voice. So make sure you're voicing. And if they don't listen to you, campaign against them the next election. Mm-hmm. Run for politics yourself. There's, there's a role for people to do that. I, I don't know if I'll, uh, I'll, I'll beat uh, the six dad. At six Norm. what? What do they call him? A six dad, Norm, Norm Kelly. Oh, so yeah. He's whatever his. Well, Norm, and he was, I, I like Norm. You know, he's got like six zillion followers. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good man. I've, I've, I called on him during the lobbying and, uh, you know, we get along well. I have issues with Norm, but mm-hmm. we'll, well, see, I mean. Is he in your, is he your He's my counselor? counselor. Well, you would know him better than me. He's, he's my counselor and, and he'll show up, you know, so. So, you know, we, we, we organize our neighborhood cleanup day. Yep. We get the scouts involved, and we, we hand out flyers to get people out. And, yeah, he'll, his staff will do an email blast, and he'll come out and shake hands, kiss babies, and take photos. We do the pumpkin parade, um, you know, and he'll— Was that the one where you voted on all the pumpkins? We, ha- we, we haven't got that big. We've done it for there's some pretty, four years. Pretty cool there's some huge ones in downtown. And so we're trying to, we're trying to up in the area that people forget about. Um, you know, to to sort of bring that sort sort of urban life to 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 northeast Scar northwest Scarborough, um, but I I I I wish he would put as much energy into uh, his neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, as as he does into his Twitter account and to his tweets and to his fundraising, selling ice cream in the winter time and stuff like that. <laughs> I just wish he would do that. You know, and, and take advantage of you know being one of the most followed politicians um, in Canada. Transit in Toronto um, is 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 a mess. Crowded buses, five buses come at once. You know, 
um, you know, I, I take half the time I'll drive to work. The other half the time I'll, I'll, I'll take a I'll take the bus to work. You wait for buses; they're all packed, or you wait for or, and, and a bunch of buses will all come together. You know, subways are always packed. Uh, there's always delays. Um, we we don't have enough transit. Um, you know, public transit. You know, we're looking for more more bike lanes. We had Transit City; it got dumped. We had Smart Track. I don't know where that is. I think it's been redesigned a, a few it's times. Gone from twenty-one stations to eight to eight stations That's now. Like an eighty-five percent decline. And as probably or maybe it's six, six. And is it costing as much? I don't know. I've lost track of all of this now. Uh, whew, you got me there. I don't know yeah. what it's costing. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not going to be ready, and it's not going to be in the form that was promised in the last election. And the problem is what? Is it just funding that they don't want to raise taxes so much? Well, I, I believe that that while it could have benefits, it was a last-minute campaign promise from mm. Tory that was very effective. Imagine, Fair smart enough. track. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, and listen, it worked. Uh, but the way it was thrown together, you can, make, you can promise 20-odd stations. And, I mean, the work's not done, so it's... It's going to change. It's just going to change. Yeah. I, I, my issues. Uh, I don't know enough about uh, Smart Track. It's not going to be the solution to everything. It's you know. It's I, again. I'm not qualified enough. The, the two that concern me is the Scarborough one-stop subway that's going to cost three point six. And and you know, could it get to five billion? You know, what's that red line? We won't. If it costs three point seven, we're going to stop. I mean, what's a red line? It just keeps moving, and, and there's not a shovel in the ground. The other one that bothers me is the, the uh, Gardner Hybrid. We're going to spend $3.6 billion to tear down part of the East and then rebuild it and refurbish the rest of it. Mm-hmm. If you look, there's like 100, 100 cities in the world that have all torn down their elevated freeways. Mm-hmm. Everyone is tearing them down. No one is tearing them down and building them up. We are unique when it comes <laughs> to that. And then, so that's crazy. And then we refurbish this thing. If you've driven by it lately, there's exposed rebar. There's stuff falling. We fixed it. Well, I, I took mean, a photo the other day. It, it's, it's, it's elevated. So that means there's temperature underneath. You know, it's like a bridge. A bridge will always uh, get slipperier faster because it gets cool underneath. Yeah. You've got salt being poured on it. you got water on it all the time. You've got air going underneath it. In another 10 years, we'll spend another $3 billion. This is nuts. Mm-hmm. Imagine, I mean, there was a really good boulevard option for the East that was dismissed so quickly. But there between the Scarborough subway and the hybrid is like $7 billion. I mean, we talked about the need for revenue. You definitely need revenue when you're spending $7 billion that's climbing. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do it cheaper, better. And, you know, you can free up that money for public housing. Yeah. There's a lot of other ways to spend that money. Uh, public housing is like a billion dollars in arrears on, on uh, maintenance of, of the houses. They're having to close a, a public housing, like just about every week because they're not inhabitable. I mean, we might be the largest 
landlord of public housing in North America. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of a slum landlord if you've seen some of those pictures. Oh, absolutely. So, so there's other things. That's that's one of my problems. Those two, one needs to be go to uh, light rapid transit. The other one needs to be torn down and uh, put that money and invest it in someplace else. So that kind of leads us to the budget, 2017 budget. Um, the one just now or the next one? The what? <laughs> you thought this one was bad? Look out next year. Okay, so why was this one bad in your opinion? Well, it's not enough revenue. No. Or, okay, I fair enough. I call it snowplow budgeting. Keep, yes. push, keep pushing it. Pushing the problems future. And, uh, and is that what's going to make the next one even worse? Yeah, everything. I mean, even the you know, city managers come out saying, whoa, we're running out of runway here. And everything that I hear, I talked to one councillor who would be nameless, says in four years this city's in real trouble. Real trouble. And is it because this, the citizenship is, is just listening to sound bites? Balanced budget, taxes aren't going up. Well, you're, you're the rare guy that is kind of engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, you're asking questions, you're watching, you're reading. Everyone's busy as hell. And, you know, for a lot of the people, yeah, my transit's too long, but, you know, life's pretty good. I was at the Board of Trade Black Tie a week and a half ago. There was a 1,000 people in the room. And when one per one of the speakers said, you know, the city's in great shape and everything's growing, everyone applauded. I mean, you know, for all the people in that room. That's nuts. They're, they're probably okay. That's and, nuts. Uh, so, and, 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 you know, okay, geez, uh, the... You know, I've enrolled my son in Little League, and it went up another $100 this year. Okay, I'll find the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can do that. No. So, so I just think it's the most important level of government to us. It is. Think about we it. touch so, their services every day. everything from policing to garbage yeah. uh, touches us. And, you know, I think we had about 60% of the people vote last time. I think it was pretty good turnout. Um, but, yeah, it should be 70 80%. And more people need to get involved. And, more people uh, need to follow, like on a daily, regular basis. You but know, they're not gonna. It's pathetic. You know, I, I follow it because, you know, the more I know about the city, the better job I can do as the incoming chair of the Toronto Foundation. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, called on twenty plus councillors to help Toronto Wildlife. Mm-hmm. I know more, as you can tell. I know more about the city right now than I did last time I talked to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're cutting. Sh- it was it was it was. Funny is not the right word, but it's very interesting to see that they found $2 million to sweep streets, and they took that from what I read from the reserves, the reserve fund, but it would cost less to rehire those 10 people back to take care, you know, to, to get back to work in the shelters, um, you know, and, and to, and well, to again, hire. Again, 1% throws off 25 to $30 million you could have done the streets and, and the shelters. It's and it, listen, it's more than one percent. Let me go out on a limb here. I think we probably for the next couple of years have to take our property taxes up to five, six percent. Is it? I've heard both sides of the story. You know, one side says you know taxes are too high, but they're not. Look at the numbers, Toronto. If there's this great graft, um, and I'm using my hands, your audience can't <laughs> see this right now. A great graph that goes from left to right. Yeah, and it you know second from the bottom is Toronto, and way at the top is King City. And, and we're something like 15% below the average. And we're the growing complex where the immigrants are coming, where everyone's, you know, everything's happening. Yeah. And, and we, and, and our property taxes are, are too low. You know, the province and the feds aren't quick to give us money. There is one theory out there that I have tested 
on a number of people, including a past cabinet minister in the provincial government. I said, now here's the theory that because Toronto's not picking up its share and keeps this low property tax thing, that the governments are going, we're not giving you money till you do your share. Mm -hmm. And that individual said yes. And it's very interesting. I was doing, interesting. A, uh, I was doing a, a, a film shoot north of the city in Vaughan, and the, the, the cameraman, producer, I mean, he, he knew. He says, we're not, you know, we're not forgiving Toronto more when they have the lowest taxes around. Those people knew That's that crazy. they had a higher tax rate than Toronto. It is just so, nuts. Um, so people say it's high. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm. Okay, it's high. I have to pay more in taxes. I might, that might be really tough for me to do. So therefore, it's high. Yeah. But statistically, yeah. against the GTA, it's not high at all. It's low. Yeah. Is there, is there fat? Do you believe there's fat to be cut? No. Like I this don't. gravy. This and I went back and read um, uh, Edward Keenan's book. Uh, and he Toronto Star columnist. Uh, Toronto Star columnist. Yeah, I didn't know you wrote a book. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty interesting actually, and uh, just a small book. It's about 160 pages. Mm -hmm. I had lunch with Edward just a couple weeks ago, and um, he he talked about. Uh, Lastman, he talked about amalgamation. So he started talking about mayors, Lastman, Miller, uh, Ford, and, and the book was finished in 2013. As okay, actually, just as Ford was kind of getting booted out of being mm -hmm. mayor, and they all—it's very interesting—they all talked about cutting. And and again, as smart as John Tory's fast track was, mm -hmm. Rob Ford's and the gravy chain was brilliant because it implied two things. And the gravy chain. Ooh, man, there's skullduggery happening here. Some illegal stuff. Yeah. And they're inefficient, too. Mm. I don't believe every business can run more efficiently, but our issue is not cost. Our issue is revenue. Yeah. Do you think that the provincial government needs to do more? Or is it like you said, you know, until Toronto, you know, pulls its own share? There's going to be, you know, less. Well, I think Toronto to... needs to do more themselves and prove it, and and I believe that if you went to see the the premier of the time, because there's going to be an election for mm -hmm. provincially before the next mayor's election, yeah, that they might be more receptive. Uh, but at the same time, they've got to let us have more control. You can't cancel the tolls. You can't. I, I think we're allowed to increase. We put taxes on alcohol, and I think that was vetoed too. Hmm. There's there's a, things that are allowed. Okay, if you're going to allow them in the act, then let us do it. Let us do them, and probably the the Toronto Act's ten years old. Probably needs to be updated. Yeah. I want to get to your your question. So you you put, you gave you gave me a question you wanted people to ask, and I've got a, a number of responses. Um, so I want to ask. I want to. We'll go through your question, and then we'll. We'll get to the the uh, the answers to your question, and then we can talk about what you know what what people are thinking. Um, so you asked, I have a question for your listeners: Would they support a property tax increase to support more daycare, after-school programs, keeping pools open, more shelter staff, and more? Each one percent would fund a lot of everyday things that would make this city more livable, livable for thousands. So I'll just go in, into the the order that people gave in. So my brother. He says his name is Anise. With the current administration in Toronto, no. With an ad with an administration that has a long term vision of the city beyond 
approving new condo developments, it's a strong maybe. And I think that goes to this whole, you know, vision and political will and courage. I agree with your brother. I, I don't know about the condo comment, but, <laughs> but you know, in the book, uh, you know, 21 Leadership Lessons, what's my first chapter, first lesson? Have a vision. Yeah. And, you know, when I was part of Olivia Chow's campaign, mm-hmm. you know, I... I wasn't happy with that. Olivia did some, had some great ideas, but it didn't la- they didn't ladder up to a vision. Mm. But Tory didn't have a vision. Ford didn't have a vision. And, you know, I just read a McKinsey, a pro, uh, uh, McKinsey study today. It was just awesome. And it talked about the kind of the, the, what the, the best cities in the world. And they, it was truly a McKinsey worldwide studied like 80 cities. And one of them was a real clear vision. One of the things that the great cities have. And, and, I, I don't know what our vision is for the city. Yeah, there is no, there's no vision we're, statement, we're not, is there? We're, and yeah, we're not talking about the advertising thing that's yeah. on the billboards or on the, on the banners. It's, you know, what a vision statement is a stretching, reinforcing, aspirational statement of intent. This is what I want a company to be. This is what you as an individual want to be. Mm-hmm. This is what a city should be, the what and it has to be all of that. It has to be stretching. It can't be easy. Like, we're, we want to be number five. No, you want to be number one. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it has to just, just, just energizing. It has to, people have to see that and say, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Mark Evans. So he quotes a uh, Royce and James article in the Toronto Star. So Roy, Mark Evans answered, as Royce and James wrote in today's Toronto Star, we need to look realistic we need to take a realistic look at the revenue tools needed to build a thriving community. Good infrastructure, schools, transit, daycare, etc. We all want services, but no one seems willing to pay for them through higher taxes. While municipal governments keep telling us the provincial slash federal governments need to step up. Clearly, it is a formula. Well, I think we've working. already touched on yeah. it. Do you, uh, we, we don't have the courage to increase. Yeah. Um, you know, tolls. Wow. Everyone says, wow, well, what courage? Well, there's a lot more courage needed. <laughs> and um, then if my theory is right, and I'm not alone in this theory, that maybe then we can go to the province and say, we're the engine. We're doing this. We've now taken this action, but you've got to help us. Yeah. Really, then you're, you're negotiating from a position of strength. Right now, we're negotiating from a position of weakness. Yeah. It's, it's almost like if my son said, you know what? And I'm dreading the day when he says, Papa, I want a car. <laughs> you know, I might I might say to him, you know what? How much is the car? Let's figure this out. And if he says it's 10000 or whatever it is. So, you know what? You figure out how to make the two, three, four, five thousand, 5000 And mom and dad will throw in the extra. So okay, Can I suggest one? one yes, suggestion? yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. I like that. Yeah. But it's the same issue with parks. Yes. With museums, with a lot of the things. We spend a lot of time. We give the money for parks. We build these beautiful parks. And the parks are getting more complex. They have more items to them. But we do not budget for the ongoing upkeep of mm. them. So like maintenance was slashed again for our parks this year. Um, but that's in a lot of, you know, we build stuff, but we don't plan for the operations. So mm. what I would say is do that with your son yeah. and then say he has to pay 50% of the operating costs. Of the too. operating costs. And you know what? It just dawned and on this me. This is from someone who's never had children. So <laughs> you can throw that all out the window. Throw that. <laughs> and it, but what you just said just through this. Uh, so Mamalita years ago closed. He literally closed the park in his ward. Um 
and it said and and as soon as you said i go that's why he closed it was because it was costing money to upkeep it um and I, i've never heard of that ever happening you how do you close a park anyways that's mamaliti um dave fleet again he sort of echoes what anise said if I could be assured that the funds would go to these causes and specifically to service delivery, then yes, I would. So I would take it one step further. Yeah. That one of the issues is people don't have a f- have faith in governments t- mm. to do two things. I'm, they take this money in. Okay, and, and they did that. John Tory did it. He says, I'm, I'm going to do the tolls, and I'm going to commit them to transit. Yeah. So that's good. I think you need to earmark. Okay, I'm going to... Do certain things, yeah. and that money is going to X. That's yeah. your first step. The second step, then do it on budget and on time. Yeah, I mean, because you can't say, "Well, I'm going to do this," and all of a sudden, the Scarborough Subway is two hundred million dollars more. Yeah, so um, I agree. I'm just building upon his suggestion. No, that makes makes total sense. Uh, Connie Crosby, she loves libraries. Um, City of Toronto taxes are lower than the surrounding cities. Maybe it is time we step a bit to pay for the services we want. I know it's not popular to put increases in, but I would rather pay than see a lot of these services reduced. Funding for libraries is important too. The December 2013 Economic Impact Study of the Toronto... One billion dollars. Yep. Impact Study of the Toronto Public Library by the Martin Prosperity Institute, U of T, found that for every dollar funding invested in the library, Torontonians receive more than five times... The value. I was excited to see. I think you retweeted so, a photo so of the I, I, mobile library. Yeah, I did today. One. So I had lunch with uh, the chief librarian last Monday, Vickery Bose. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of the library. Huge fan. You know, we've got 100 of them. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're slashing library funding and closing libraries in the state of Texas. Uh, look at who the Trump's brought in his education mm-hmm. cabinet. Woo. Um, We've got an outstanding library system, and it's got to evolve because now when you go to this, it's the neighborhood hub. The kids are there working on their on their essays. People who are unemployed are using the computers to to look up jobs. Um, the issue with libraries, it, it, the chief librarian tells me that they have the libraries they need. But there's one, I think it's in Parkdale, I apologize if I've got this wrong, but it needs to be, it's worn out. It needs to be redone. Mm-hmm. It costs 15 to $18 million. We don't have that budgeted. Yeah. Um, the hours, I mean, we, you know, the hours are not long enough. When they turn on, let's start flicking the lights, there's kids scrambling. Yeah. And, and they leave the Wi-Fi on. So the kids can so just, true. so they're outside the building yeah. and sitting around the doors because they can still get the Wi-Fi yeah. and completing their essays. So extend the things. Like, why are they closed on certain days? Extend them. You've got all this overhead. It's a park. Why is the mm-hmm. park closed? Why is the library closed? Yeah. You know, their budget's a couple hundred million dollars a year. Man, give them That's one. It, eh? Give them one percent more. That's two million dollars. What they could do with that? Now they've been cutting staff as well. Uh, the chief librarian, uh, Vickery Bose, tells me that she was very impressive. She's. I don't know if, if your listeners are aware of the discipline of Six Sigma, where you measure stuff, and like Six Sigma is way over my head, and they use that. So it's very, very well run. It's key to the the livability of this city. Yeah, I'd invest in libraries in a minute. It, it just makes sense. I mean, these, I look at these as long term investments in the health Absolutely. 
you know, of, of, of a city. You know, parks, libraries, community centers, rinks, pools. Yep. Um, you know, just, you know, needed. And a, and a lot of those are even more used by the immigrants. Absolutely. You know, if you're, and ri- everyone, if you're I mean, everyone. rich in, and listen, I lived in, in Rosedale and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used the parks because I was a runner. But, you know, they, they've all got cottages up in Muskoka. But that's not the great majority of Toronto. No. No, absolutely. I mean, in in Copenhagen, which I am going to in August, not only they forty seven percent of the people go by bike, not only is it the leading city for c- fixing climate change, but they they measure everything, and they have an objective now. They want I can't remember what it is, and I, I want to talk to them. I'm going to meet people when I get there. They they want X percent of the people to use a park every week. They're measuring that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, how cool is that? And you know what gets measured gets done. One of the chapters in my book. Yes, that's what Copenhagen is doing. Yes, there was my um, so my brother used to live in Basingstoke, England, um, for for a number of years after after university, and they have this thing called Park Run. They just came to to Canada, and basically it's every weekend five k run. You just bring people out to a park, and you do a five k run. It's just uh, another thing to get the community yep. together, to get people together. What about uh, pizza ovens and tandoori ovens? Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And more, more um, uh, picnic benches. Like, just that kind of stuff. That can't cost much. No. You my 1%, you can buy that stuff, too. You've got enough money to buy that stuff, too. Absolutely. Um, and it just makes sense. I, I want to, you're a huge fan of Jennifer Keesmith. Yep. What makes her so great, in your opinion? She's wicked smart, creative, mm-hmm. cares. She's very passionate, as I say in my book, because that, you know, if, this, if she ran the city and she doesn't want to be mayor, <laughs> if there's all these rumors worrying everyone she wants to be mayor, <laughs> I believe her. Um, I said the city would be more livable and more functional. I, I just, I, she's just, we're really lucky to have her. She's a great planner. I want to ask you about, about another person. I'm curious if, if this guy wants to be mayor. Does Richard Petty want to be mayor? <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of that now because I'm reading so much and meeting so many people. You know, I, I just want to be do a great job as the head of Toronto Foundation. And to do that, you know, to run, to run Maple Leaf Sports, I practiced for that for like 25 years yeah. to be ready for that job. So I'm reading voraciously. I actually wrote down I'm the rise of the creative class, street fight, dark age ahead, walkable city, walking home, happy city. Those are all the books I've read. And to get ready for this job. Plus, I'm meeting, you know, Vickery Bowes last week and Ken Greenberg and all these people. So, you know, I'm not happy with the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to roll in the next election. I'd like to find a candidate I could back. So far, I haven't. So right now, I'm just trying to be a better foundation head and see where the world takes me. So there's a non-answer. I deflected, that's a no- <laughs> deflected really well. There. You didn't say no. So that's... So that's that's something. What's that? Uh, so what's that? Remember, like, so you There's say still you've a, got a chance. You got, <laughs> <laughs> I had. Uh, I don't know if you know Jagmeet Singh, deputy no. leader of the uh, Ontario NDP. No. Um, young guy, great guy. Where does he live? Bramley Gore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he, they've been talking about him as as a potential candidate for the federal. NDP. They do need a leadership change. Yeah, and uh, so that was the first question I asked him. Um, and he did not say no, and he said he's seri- He said he thought it was a joke that people were talking about him, but he is well, seriously think considering. About Barack. It. You know Barack, where he came from. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Think where Trump came from? Who? 
No, we all that's, laughed about that choice. I, 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 I still think that someone's going to wake me up. I know. I'm with you. I'm in that same nightmare. You know, it's 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 just weird. It's strange. Oh, it's, it's weird. You know, weird doesn't do it justice. Yeah. They used to call Weird Al Yankovic in a kind of a glowing way. It's not Weird no. Trump. I mean, no, he's a he's a nasty, narcissistic. Well, I got about eighty three words to describe him. And yeah, I think they're all true. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, again for, for we really for talked sp- a lot of sports this time. Like it was like hundred. If someone's phoning up to think, what does Richard Petty think of the Raptors and the likes of that? I'm, I'm delighted with the trade. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I emailed. Uh, uh, Dwayne Casey. Yeah. He reminded me the year he was coach of the Dallas Mavericks, and they mm-hmm. won it all. Dallas at one point lost seven games in a row, and everyone was you tweeted going, about that recently. going crazy. Yeah, and um, who knows? Well, listen, you must be you. You were very. I don't know the role that you played uh, in terms of bringing TFC to uh, Toronto. Pretty much, I was the guy who came up with the idea. Not pretty much. I was the guy who came up. And a lot of people made it happen. You must be very proud of where that team ended up. Yeah, you know what? So far. About four or five years ago, I predicted they'd be the first of the teams to win a championship. And Mm -hmm. they came 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 damn close to me. Man, they came so close. And this crazy ass. I love football, (laughs) soccer, but there's some things that are archaic. And one of them is penalty penalty shots. shots. And the extra time. Like someone says in their head, you got four minutes extra time. There's no clock. And you're you're you you know if you're a fan you've got you're an extra time your team is winning there's extra time you got the stopwatch on wait a second it said four minutes we're already at four minutes and twenty three seconds the guy hasn't blown his whistle it's a beautiful game but there are some things that are nuts about it which is why I love baseball <laughs> there is no clock they came close too to winning yeah oh they did they did it's it's been great. Uh, but again, thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. And and one and have and me back again. I'm I'm going to as soon as the you know the next uh, uh, municipal election comes around and we know who you're backing, you know whether it's uh, your your wife backing you or whether you're backing somebody else. I I, I want to have you You'll in here. You'll have your... to be uh, dragging, kicking, and screaming my wife <laughs> to do that. But... I hear you. Thank you again. Okay, my pleasure. By the way, you look so much younger than the last time we were here. <laughs> so, I don't know if you're working out. I'm I know, working out. I, I know you used to be a distance runner. Um, but you're wearing a, a, a black, I don't want to call it a muscle t-shirt, but a black t-shirt. No, I would need muscles for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it says equality. Yeah. Well, it. it's, uh, I mean, think about what's going on right now. Whether it's the Muslim community, the gay community, the Jewish community, immigrants, Women, that that there's not equality. Women mm-hmm. are getting paid 18% less than men. Still today's 21st century. And we've, they've got a president of the United States who's a misogynist. Yeah. And you've got Muslim bans, and you've got uh, Jewish places of worship being vandalized. And so it's all about, you know, we talked about it, you know, how can we be a livable city for everyone? Yeah. It's equality. And um, so I'm wearing this T-shirt. Nice. Thanks.